right, you are tuned into the 5A5 report with Atiana and Bishop. Catch us each and every Sunday from 6 to 7 p.m. on 100.9 WXIR, where we seek to elevate the conversation on the Rochester community through constructive conversations with go-getters from around the town. So, I am so excited because we are continuing our conversation on education and we have two young gentlemen in the room who are recent graduates. Can you introduce yourselves? What's up, what's up? This is Harrison Underwood, graduated from the University of Rochester this past May in a master's in education. And this is Shay Hayes, um, just graduated from the College of Bradford with a degree in um, <laughs> health sciences and education. I feel weird saying that now, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why is it weird? It's new. Because you work so hard at something you, you're still not used to saying. It's almost like when your birthday comes and you forget like how old you are. You said last year age. Yeah. I'm, I'm 29. Right. Hmm. Yeah, I'm 28. So let's start out the conversation with learning more about you both. Tell us what you want us to know. I'm black. Well, for me, every, every, every chance I get, I want to say that uh, I am a real estate investor and I, we do buy houses in cash. Also, I am the uh, owner and operator of HD Company, where we are a real estate company where we buy and purchase real estate in the city. Okay. Yeah, I'm your, your favorite landlord. Professional, trying, trying prof professionally, what are you doing now other uh, than that? <laughs> I, I teach at uh, 45 school. I'm an intervention teacher for 5th grade and 7th and 8th grade, math and ELA. Okay. Um, I work at Northeast, <coughs> I'm sorry, North, ah, Northeast College Prep. Um, I work with the Special Education Department um, where I work with math and um, science students. Or math science curriculum. Is you, both of your backgrounds both in education, like the jobs that you've had, mostly centered around working with kids and? Well, yes. Well, for me personally, yes. I've always um, worked in the city school district. I've actually been in the district on and off. Um, my first year is subbing for like three years, and then I've been permanent at Douglas for the last six. So I didn't realize that actually until earlier today when I was conversing with a colleague. Um, aside from that, I've always worked with students, whether it be, um, you know, working um, community camps, uh, as a counselor, Boys and Girls Club, um, rec parks and recs. So it's like I've always had, you know, my niche around knowing that I like to work with the youth. And it just so happened that I picked up as, you know, working in the city school district. And that's why I furthered my education so I could continue to do so. Uh, very similar experience, uh, Shay. So I'm like an after-school uh, after school program kind of kid. So I, I grew up going to after-school programs. Uh, I worked as a camp counselor. Uh, I used to work at the library. So it, it was almost uh, people referring me to things after that. So I, I guess I kind of built a reputation of uh, working, being a youth leader. And then um, I, when I was working at the library, I got a uh, offer to teach the GED. So I started tutoring the GED uh, for a while. And then naturally after I graduated from school, with a, so my bachelor's degree is in business, oh, but um, I was volunteering at the after school program uh, that a friend of mine worked for. Well, at first I worked there and then a friend of mine asked me to volunteer. So I was just volunteering. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up coordinating the program. And um, when I left to try to do a business job, I used to work at, uh, at Xerox for a while. 
And um You didn't love it? I hated it. That's the same <laughs> with me. My background is in business as well. Um my bachelor's and my master's is in business and I thought I was going to climb the corporate ladder with Wegmans. Yeah. But I didn't love it after a while. Like I was there for fifteen years and I didn't love it. But I did love the um work that I did with the Hillside students. Yeah. So that's what made me start doing subbing. I like Shay. I started subbing, and that's where I realized like I want to work with youth. Yeah. So going back to high school, when you got out of high school, did you both go straight to college, or did you take some time off? I went to, uh, straight to straight to Brockport. Okay. So I didn't know if I wanted to go to college or not. It just kind of happened. Luckily for me, uh, at East High School, they did the instant application day. And uh, the only schools I signed up for was Brockport and MCC, and Brockport called me in first. Okay. And um, I was just I had a decent GPA, and uh, they're like, you know what, with these grades and and extracurricular activities, you'll probably get accepted to Brockport. And I was like, oh, I'm going to college. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it wasn't a plan. So. No, it wasn't. It wasn't a plan for me. I, I didn't I had that kind of thing going on. I wanted to work after school. Okay. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's funny because it actually was a plan, but then it didn't work out that way. And then, you know, life happened. I initially had a plan to go straight to college. Um, my sister, at the time, my mother was getting her life together. My sister had just had a baby and she was uh, fairly young. So I decided to stay and try to help out the family. And I had got scholarships to Brockport, Buff State, um, Pace, Hofstra, and I was excited. And then my sister had dropped out of school. And she had, just, like I said, she had just had a child when she was 16 and she, with her dropping out of school, I didn't want that to happen. So. My mother and I came up with a plan of me going to MCC to help out my sister with the GED program while I take classes. I learned real quick that I couldn't do that. <laughs> I wasn't really good at that. And um, eventually that led me to going to, I mean, going to MCC, taking some time off. Um, with my illness, I got sick and then I ended up um, doing a project at Brockport, meeting the vice president and then I ended up transferring to Brockport and that's how I ended up graduating. So, yeah, it, it was something where I, you know, it was part of my plan, but it didn't happen that way. It happens in God's time, so. So, you guys were kind of inspired in different ways to go to college. Um, why why do you both think that college isn't appealing to some of our youth now? College isn't appealing? Um, Media. I disagree. I no. feel like. You do. Hey, I, I will, I will, I see, I feel like college is appealing. But it is it isn't appealing. It's it's the the rewards that's appealing. Yes. Yet it's still the intrinsic motivation is lacking because of media. So when I talk to my students, and I mean I only have two schools <coughs> on my caseload, which are Northeast and um Northeast and Edison, and I would say a lot of them college isn't what they want to do next. Um, a lot of them want to join the workforce. A lot of them have um, concerns about debt. And they're like, I already don't like school. Why would I go to college? I, actually, I think that's smart that they, uh, I mean, even though I, I believe in college and I love my college experience, I don't think college is for everyone. I, so. Well, I disagree with that. So I hate when people say that college is for everybody. Everybody don't want to go to college. Mm -hmm. Because people use, our kids use that as an excuse. Miss, college ain't for me. Yes, it is. You can go to college. You're just as smart as the next person. Say you don't want to go to college. That's something completely different. So, I, I believe in, I mean, I, I think you should have a plan after high school. Mm -hmm. Right? So, you can't just not 
I mean, you can't not have a plan and think everything is going to be okay because you'll be sadly, you know, mistaken. But I feel like there's a lot of people, I think there's an over amount of people who go to college mm-hmm. just to not finish because they're not prepared or they don't know what they want or to finish and have no plan afterwards. Just think that that's the, the, the last step. So there's so many things just because you're not, I don't know what it's like back in the day, but from what they would say, like having a college degree is like one of those things to do is like, oh, you're going to be good. I had a, when I got my bachelor's degree, I had options, but they, none of them really panned out like I thought I would be. Like a lot of people have that false expectation that you're going to graduate college, make 40, 50,000 a year just to start, and then go ahead and make 70,000 and then 80,000. Like it's going to work that way. It doesn't work that way. I know too many people who have, with a college degree without a job. For sure. Like, I, I know people, that's their story, or they're not working with, in a job in their field, or they're making way less money than, you know, they thought the degree would bring in. Um, you brought up a, a point that students aren't prepared once they go to college. Do you think the our city schools are preparing students for college? You want to know what's funny? So, I have to, I have to go back and answer the first question so I can answer this question. Okay. Um... I believe that I believe that college is for everyone, but it's not appealing because of media. Um, they have shown there's so many people that have found success without going to college that they have been idolized, and now that we have people that have shown you a blueprint that this is how you can do it without going to school, people want to model that behavior. The other thing that you're starting to notice, which brings me into the next part of your question, is that there are um, we are in a state or we are in a predicament where. The bar has been so lowered that you can walk over. Oh my goodness. And what's happened is you have so many rules and regulations and curriculum expectations that you place on teachers that you're starting to grade the teachers with ultimately the teachers have to lessen the amount of work because they want to show that they're putting in that effort. So now they have to do less to try to get the students to do more for the district to look like they're doing more, but now they're gaining less. If that makes sense. No. That's, that's, that's exactly what's going on. You get into the point where, um, so best example, I was writing a paper. I just finished my research paper. I had a student ask me, um, Mr., what are you writing? I said, I'm writing my research paper. They said, what is it on? I said, my research paper is on the psychosocial and emotional and academic outcomes of students who have parents that are incarcerated. They said, I don't even know what that all means. <laughs> I said, okay. What grade were you talking to? I was talking to a senior. Oh. And I said, okay, so basically it's about the outcomes of students who have parents who's in jail. Oh, my dad is in jail. I said, so I'm writing my report on you. You ain't asked me any questions. I said, no, I'm telling you. And and like with just that conversation, it just started making me wonder, like, is our generation getting slower? Because everything that we, we expect, like this conversation that you and I had, it's like we expect the microwave you know, instant gratification from certain things that is starting to um, underdevelop our generation. I, I feel like that's been the biggest. I think. Um, oh, I'm sorry, I think uh, one of the things that I think is uh, one of the things I think kids aren't prepared for college. They're they're not prepared for college, right? So even myself, like even I think I had. I think some schools do an excellent job trying to put the right resources for kids for college. But you mean. When you say some schools, you mean colleges or high schools? High schools, high schools and colleges, because U of R's been doing a great job, like trying to go into the schools, and a lot of a lot of other schools are doing the same thing, trying to go into the high schools to help prepare kids for college. But 
kids are prepared. I, at least in my experience, right? Even and speaking for myself, right? To keep it a high thing, I was not prepared for college, even though everyone was there pushing me and encouraging me. And, I, and sometimes I see with the kids now, we're pushing them and encouraging them. But if, if you're not prepared for college, it's, it's either you're going to rise to the occasion or waste a whole lot of time and money, right? You're going to learn a lot about yourself, but I'm not sure if that would be the best investment, right? So I would, uh, I mean, everyone is entitled to go to college, right? That's why I love the idea that we have uh, a community college and how we have MCC right here, one of the best community colleges. But you're gonna make, I, I know too many people not working with a college degree, and then so many people, we have firefighter department, right? They, they're, they're looking, they're, they're short in people, right? We have so many other places, electricians can make up to like 80,000 a year. But people instead, I think the priorities are just mixed up, right? People, everyone's, we don't have the right representation all the time. On college, right? We That's have right. it, but it's. I think is we, we're making it look easy, and it's not. Like you have to work hard at everything that you do. You can't just be a rapper or, or be lit on Instagram, <laughs> right? I mean, you could if you got that kind of kind of work ethic, but you don't. But sometimes they don't. Now here's where I here's where I will also agree with you. Um, college. Now this goes against what we were just saying. I believe that college is for everybody, but I also believe that there are some people that need different type of learning they, they have they learn differently but that being said we need to bring trade schools back right every you know what i mean um and, and you know inter interscholastic classroom settings is not for everyone but there are people that work great in their hands it's funny because i actually realized this yesterday that i operate better audially you know what I mean? Like, I can hear something and it, and it will resonate better than actually reading a book. Yeah. So what I got to the point of doing, um, like, even in the end of my courses, I was actually reading myself the book, like, recording myself reading and listening to it, and I was retaining information better. Now, that took a lot of, like I said, intrinsic motivation that the average child would have just given up on, but I'm a grown man. It took me a while to get there. Mm -hmm. Whereas some students, is like, yo, you will make a great mason. You will make a great carpenter. You will make a great auto mechanic, but we don't see that or we don't have those programs accessible to the, you know, students at the Rochester City School District. And when we did, notice that was back in the early 2000s when Edison was booming, when people actually went to Marshall so they can go to law school, when people actually went to Wilson so they can study, you know what I mean? Like, you went to a circuit high school and be in, you know, around like-minded people that had the same ideas that eventually that's what they went on to go do. Now it's like everything is so spread out that, of course, you know, they're not getting the best of the education. Right yeah, now. Edison still I, has a little bit of, but it's nothing like it was when I went to Edison. Um, they don't even have a cosmetology program, and that's big. Like, a lot yeah. of girls, I mean, and, you know, I go back and forth with it. Because everybody, I feel like a lot of people in Rochester are doing the same thing. But I tell my girls, if it's something that you're good at and you know that you could have a lane in it, then go for it. Right. I think people should, I think there needs to be, so I agree with both, with everything, right? Everything needs to be an option. I think people need to experiment, right? Like, you got to know what you yes. like and know what you don't like. Like, you got to know how you learn, know how you don't learn. Like, you can't just read about it or, or think you want to do something and never try it. Right, and, and I think that's where people fall short, right? So it's not that we have, because I think all the resources are there, and I think things are a lot easier even in the last like five years to get things done, right? The, the internet is way too crazy. YouTube and how tos, there's like meetup apps for things that people are like interested in. It's, it's too many options. I think you just have to try. Like self awareness is huge. What do you like, and what are you good at? How do you learn? 
Like those are the things that people need to learn. Now here's the funny thing. We actually have that though. Like I've seen that. Um, some of the counselors have brought these kids in. You take this long test about what you like to do. Oh, those career yeah. Tests, yeah. And it's like we didn't really have that. When we was growing up. We had to figure it out. We did. It was just so we boring. We had a, the internet is way more creative now. We had New York Career Zone. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. New York Career Zone. I, I, shout out to Bayden Street for giving me your career. <laughs> Clearly, that was an East Side thing. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. No shots at the East We side. had, okay, the, uh, no, no, but I do remember we had ma uh, major achievement. When the people that came in from that, like, worked at Xerox and stuff, and they used to have, like, the major achievement program, and they um, taught you. I remember that. So I remember that program. We yeah. had a program, it was like a mentoring program where I had a mentor at the University of Rochester. Her name was Dr. Boone. She was a neurologist, and I once a month I would visit her in a lab at U of R, and it was just like crazy to me, like all the stuff, the technology, what she did, the work that she did, looking at DNA back then when I was a sixth grader. So those opportunities, um, I wish that I saw more of now. Ultimately, with those degrees that you both scooped up, what do you want to do with them? What's the end goal? <laughs> 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 Listen, um, I think um, I learned a lot. It's, it's hard to kind of say what you're going to do with something like, uh, and I think a lot of high school graduates can attest to this. College graduates, just new graduates in general, it's like you, you you've been so you've been a student for so long, and you work so hard at things. Like now, you feel like for me, I feel differently about teaching. Like my goal originally before I went to the education program was to become a principal, right? That's me kind of tying in um, business. I see schools as a business as well. And, um, and me, like I wanted to grow up the, the education ladder and become a principal and maybe a superintendent, and who knows from there. Now that I learned the ins and out of uh, education and uh, I went through my graduate program, which, you know, put some, put some perspective on me, uh, I, would, I would say it that way. Um, I'm not completely, completely sure what I absolutely want to do uh, with my degree. I know I want to, uh, while I'm new to education, I want to try my best to be an excellent teacher, right? I want to, the skills that come with teaching, I, I feel like those are valuable, but I don't know if I can um, stay in the classroom. Same. For That's why yeah. I, I thought I wanted to do it when I was subbing, but doing, actually subbing made me realize that, mm, I don't think this is for me. Yeah, yeah. And then the other thing about it is, um, to teach and to educate are two totally different things. For sure. And I feel like teaching is when you create a learned stimulus, whereas educating is the like whole cerebral of, you know, what it is, the topic of what it is. And I wanna be an educator. So when I chose health sciences and education, I realized that I love to talk about sex education. I love to talk about hygiene. I love to talk about health. I love to talk about um, basically a lot of different um, topics that surround, you know, public health administration. So initially that's what I went into, um, you know, safety, whatever the case may be. And I, I see myself honestly being like a coordinator or some type of um, director for like Excellus or, you know, I mean, it's like some type of government agency, even Jordan Health Center, some type of government agency where basically we're promoting healthy living and healthy lifestyle. Um, I did speak to a mentor of mine and even thought about being a life coach, you know, things that I, I've always been good at talking as a life coach. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. talking life into people <laughs> and preaching. But um, what I came to the realization that I am going to do in my degree is I'm going to further and get my master's in higher ed. Higher ed? Yeah. yeah. So, I, I, you know, because college level kids, is, is two things. 
you made it here. Now I gotta either get you to stay, or, I mean, I gotta get you to stay because of what you don't see in yourself, or I gotta remind you of why you're here. So, and that's, so it's very similar, right? So, um, the, the problems in education has been the same for any educator that's, that's, that's listening to this. It's been the same for over hundreds of years, right? It's been, it's been the same problem. You can read the papers back in the day and read the papers now. Urban kids aren't reading. There's no cultural developed curriculum. It's the same stuff, right? And even when you do provide it, it's sometimes it's the same out, uh, like outcomes. Mm-hmm. I think um, I think it's more like what my just my personal view. I think it's, I see more education as uh, as mentorship, right? Mm-hmm. So it, you have to go through the education system, right? There's no way around it. Like it, that's what kills me about kids who skip class. Like you're gonna skip seventh grade math. Just to come back to seventh grade math, <laughs> like where you you're, you're just wasting time mm-hmm. at this point. You got to get through it, and I think uh, one of my like personal responsibilities that I'm not getting paid for is to like just be my best self as a teacher. Like it's it's important for me to be transparent. Mm-hmm. It's important for me to just exactly. like this is what it is, and you have to go through it if you want to get to your real goals, right? No one wants to be like I want to be a fifth grader. <laughs> I don't I don't want to be I want to be a twelfth grader. Like you want to graduate and get to a goal, hopefully. But you can't do it most of the time without education, right? And you have to learn those skills that come with it. You have to learn how to research. You have to learn how to read fluently and understand. Like, those are the things that you have to learn by doing. And that's just what it is right now. I think um, to, to add on to that and not talk too much, but that goes back to a conversation I was having um, actually with Brock. And it was like, when you get your undergraduate degree, it's basically saying that you are equipped to learn. Yeah. It's saying that, that, you, that you are disciplined enough to learn and when you met, go for your masters it's like now you know about this particular subject think about it you have gen ed classes it's the same <laughs> thing you're, you're basically in 13 14 15 and 16th grade to get you to that college level. you know what i mean yeah but exactly. but it's certain things like you said that you learn how to research like that research paper was beastie you know what i mean i i, I started off i think that was the that was the most humbling experience when one of your like colleagues slides your paper back and was like yo this is trash you like yeah. Trash, this is eight pages. And then you turn eight around. Eight pages of trash. Ooh, eight that's pain. That was just the intro. The intro was eight pages. He said the intro was eight pages of trash. By the time I was done, it was 32 pages. And, and it, it felt gratified. But it's like to any child, which I can say my students seen it. So this particular situation is like, this is what happened. Students have seen me working on a paper. That's what you have to do? Oh, I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? So yeah, like, yeah. so now it almost looks discouraging, but I'm like, no, let me show you. So now I'm trying to show them how to break it down in simple steps. And it's like, oh, well, I don't feel like they're preparing me for that. Well, guess what? We wrote the answer on the board and you still don't got it on your paper. So even when, like I said, even when we put the bar so low that you can walk over it, they still don't take advantage. So I believe that they got to want it for themselves. And that's why we have to be there, right? Yeah. I feel like the best thing you can do is have some charisma. The best thing you can do is like, just, again, be your best self because we're get, if, if we don't, we're giving false expectations on what's going to happen once high school is over, what's going to happen after college is over. No, you, it's, it's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard. Yes, I live my life this way. And yes, this is what I had to do to get there. I think that's more, that's a better message depending on who it's coming from. I mean, I think that's why I have most of my success at it, right? Like, listen, I can't tell you that writing the paper is going to or doing this math problem or doing this history problem or listening to this teacher is gonna, you know, reward you in the long run completely. But what I can tell you is that this is something you have to go through and I did it as well. It's almost like a, a rites of passage that you can celebrate at the end, right? Mm-hmm. You celebrate the rites of passage of going through high school, 
the, the struggles, because everybody can attest, if you didn't struggle through undergrad, you know, more power to you, right? Because I struggled through it. Shay, I know your story. You struggled through it. Grad school has completely humbled me. I, I'm just not an academic person <laughs> like I thought I was. <laughs> Same. And, um, but you know something? I'm happy that I went through it. Graduating and walking the stage felt amazing, right? And that's something that everybody should experience as well. It's going to give you the, the confidence to go forward, further. And I'm actually more encouraged to like, like knowing that I was able to uh, get through a, a master's program, it's like it's encouraged me to like, wow, I'm that step closer to getting a PhD. Are you going to get a PhD or ED? I mean, you never know, man. (laughs) You never know. I can't say yes. I can't say no. But, you know, it's it's definitely a a, a thought right now. It doesn't seem impossible to me. Right? Like, nothing seems impossible to me at this point. Right. So, I know Shay's touched on mentors. Who have been some mentors to you both? And what advice has been, has Um, resonated the Life has been a mentor, but if I have to pick specific people, I will honestly say it was my high school math teacher, Ms. Lorman. Okay. Um, Ms. Lorman is 146 years old. Like, when I tell you she's so old, it's funny because she's so old that when we ask her, she still won't tell us her age. And then one day she slid up and said it, and she said, you better not say nothing. I'm like, all right, I won't say nothing. But she has taught the math teachers in our school. <laughs> that's how old she is. she's so old she taught Miss Graham and Miss and Miss Thomas and it's like wait what like you was my math teacher and then it's funny because now she's my nephew math teacher so she's been teaching math like literally over 40 50 years that's what's wow. up and like just knowing um one of the biggest things that I've always taken from her is that you really can't give up on kids like I watched her take the roughest kids and it's like and it's you know what I mean it's, sometimes it sucks it sucks, but it's like for her to like remember. She'll remember names. She'll remember faces. You look like it looked like your kid to these people. They be like, yeah, that is. I'm like, oh, I I taught your aunt. Like she just knows everybody, but she genuinely cares. Right. Like she genuinely, like wholeheartedly, will pull you to the side. Hey, such and such is struggling. And they were doing such a great job. Can you talk to them? Like she'll find those type of relationships. And one of the things, like that was something that I got from her because it was like even after I graduated. And all the expectations that people have for you, it's like, ultimately you do it for yourself, but then you remember the people that believed in you, mm-hmm. and that's the, what helps you or ignites you to arise to the occasion. That extra love. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? And she was one of those people, and then when I got done, she was like, I know you can do that. You know what I mean? Like, just pumping me up. I thought I was about to go to a game or something. Like, she had me hype. But that was like, she reminds me of why I have those certain conversations where I pull to, to the side, yo, hey, get it together. Or sometimes you literally just have to stop and like, yo, and they'll turn around the hallway like, I see you, man, you're doing a good job. Because that little subtle reminder, you know what I mean, ignites them, and that's what she did for me. Uh, for me, uh, I, I kind of have like a different perspective, but I had a lot, of, I'm a community person, so mm-hmm. I, I really feel, that's why I feel like so connected to uh, just my neighborhood in general, because it was a lot of people in the neighborhood kind of influenced me, both positively and negatively. Like, at first, I just knew what I didn't want, right? Just by looking around. Right. And I was like, okay, I can't do that. <laughs> I can't do that. I can't do that. And then um, I had a lot of community moms. So uh, and that's why you're, you're right. You can't give up on a kid because I was written off a few times, but these community moms were holding me down. Seeing stuff I never even thought would be possible. And, um, you know, years later, it uh, came to fruition. Just to name a few. If they, if they actually see, I would say... Uh, Miss P, absolutely. And my first, Karen Pashali, uh, Miss Maggie's, a community place on, on Joseph Avenue. Uh, everybody from Joseph Avenue has been to, to Miss Maggie's camp. Um, 
And then uh, indirectly, I think, uh, and shit, you know this one, Brock and stuff. I had one conversation with him. I never, uh, I, I think I had a respect problem growing up. So uh, because I was a good kid, I always got overlooked. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was hard for me to like read. Like I, I respect the women in my life because they're always there, but the, the, it was never, I never really had like a strong, strong, like uh, what I saw would be like a popping kind of guy. And I met Brock when he was like 24. So that was kind of cool to, to see him go through his thing. And so just, just seeing him do his thing kind of encouraged me. And then um, Michael Campbell. So Baden Street was a, a huge part. It was just a program I was going through. And uh, this guy just always believed in me and supported me. And I was just cool with that. I was like, okay. So what are, in the work that you both are doing right now, what would you say are some major challenges that you are facing in the classroom? Students, um, um, yo, I took what is time. not a major challenge? All right, so okay, honestly, <laughs> it's I, May first. Yo, yeah, so, so take this in consideration before we say anything. I'm about to it's say May. May is a, yeah. it was a long year. Okay, but I'm gonna try to find. It's May. Hold on, it's May. All time was working yes. towards something and then having the same expectation of our students. Yes. I would say that's one of the biggest challenges. While you're simultaneously going to school and you're watching students not do some of the things that you have to do. And it's like, dude, look at me. I'm doing it. Can you please do it for me? Like, that. that's one of the biggest challenges. Oh, man. Especially now because it's like students will say, and matter of fact, this goes back to what we was talking about. Um, students have learned, or young kids, like young adults in general, once you can measure the consequence of something, then that will help you gauge whether or not you're going to follow through whatever it is. So now students learn that all you can do is, you know, I mean, that's the biggest phrase. Well, all you can do is, if they about to get in trouble, all you're going to do is send me down to front All you're going to do is send me ISS. All you're going to do, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So now students learn that and they're really not working towards nothing because all you're going to do is, you know what I mean? Right. So now they can measure the consequences. They don't want to work the same. Like I said, it's, yeah, I, I believe Harrison can, can attest to this. Like, yo, ain't nothing worse than having a child do something you like, yo, this is so simple. While you're thinking about the paper that you gotta do, like I really got homework I could be doing for you not to be as care not to care as much as I want you to right now. I think uh that that was really frustrating, right? So uh <laughs> for me, I, I the class that I was taking, my last class was a is a repeat course, right? So I had to re- redo this whole assignment, this huge assignment. It has it was basically my, my, my full degree, right? It was everything I learned until like a capstone? Similar to a capstone, but it was for literacy. Okay. Right? And uh, I'm working hard on it. Basically, I had to redo it and uh, revising it, reading a whole bunch. And then I have a kid complaining. And this is middle school, right? So uh, the middle schoolers are complaining about reading a paragraph. (laughs) And I'm just like, yo, I just read like 40, 50 pages last night. And like, like, please get through this paragraph. It's it's not going to be that rough, I promise you. So that's kind of frustrating, kind of putting your own expectations on the kids. So, Mm -hmm. you know, simultaneously going through that, it's a lot of stress. Uh, And then kids, you know, they they have a different way of showing that they care, right? So the first thing that come out of the kid's mouth is I don't care, right? And and knowing that being a kid before, I know you don't really mean that when you say I don't care, hopefully. You know, it's times when I was dead serious, but you know, but I care so much as a teacher, and I'm here, I got this lesson. Don't, if I have planned the lesson all the way, and I'm here like to deliver it, and I'm like, yo, this is about to be so fun at the end. Like, just, that's, we gotta learn this first. And they're like yelling and screaming through it, that's frustrating. That, or I, I try to provide all the resources because I hate excuses. I, there's pencils in my class, there's paper in my class, 
their extra books. Everything you need. Everything you need to succeed in the class. But them kids ran me dry. So, <laughs> so after support and supplying the pencils and papers for so long, and uh, a kid come to me and say, I don't have a pencil. Like, I know they, there's, like, the whole poem saying kids got other things to worry about but a pencil. Yeah. But, like, the only tool you need, <laughs> like, you got literally one job to come to class and learn to make somebody proud at home. You know, I got to spin it up. I got to guilt trip them. A little bit. <laughs> Manipulate right? them a little bit. And I'm like, Yo, please come to my class. all the way here. What? To learn, and you don't got the only tool you need. You brought a book bag with no pencil. Oh, that's the oh man. Um, and I, it's even worse because I have ice. Hold on, hold on. No, no. When it's like late in the day, and you don't have a pencil. So what happened to you? What happened to all the other classes? Like you had to switch. But this is me talking about middle school. So just to backtrack a little bit, I work with fifth graders as well, and fifth graders are excellent. I, I do believe that's the smartest grade. Ever. It's downhill from fifth grade. Oh, so that's weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So I, I think um, they're the only frustrating part with the fifth graders because it's easier to see the kindness in them, mm -hmm. right? Because they're not really fully thinking for themselves completely because there's a lot of parental uh, part in there. If, yeah, parental engagement. And, you know, they're just so impressionable. When those kids don't say they don't care or when those kids are like frustrated about something, it's not completely just their fault. It's almost like it's my fault. It's everybody around them fault, right? Because if they don't see the importance of what they're doing or they don't feel like they want to impress someone else enough to do what's right in school, that's that's concerning to me. Right. Yeah. I, I feel you. But see, it's a little different. I got high schoolers, so when they say they don't care. Most of the time, they don't. And then, honestly, another thing dealing with, the unauthorized term of endearment. Oh god. Yeah, oh, that's hard gosh. to deal with it. Oh my gosh. So we look at all these <laughs> all these struggles and all these challenges and we understand that, you know, these crises they begin at home and then they come into, you know, the K-12 environment and then they kind of lead our kids into like different cycles like incarceration and etc. So, what do you think we can do, educators, to have better um, educational outcomes for our young men of color, in particular? We need more blacks in school. That so, more representation? I hate to say it like that, but it's, it's quite simple. Because it's easier, um, and I, I feel like you probably even understand this. You'll have a student who will be dealing with a situation with another teacher, or another faculty member in the building. And if the staff is anything other than the color of their own skin, it's, it's not going to end well. And you can, but culturally, we know what to say in that situation. We know what we're dealing with. We you can walk up and be like, yo. Cut it. <laughs> and it'll just be like. Yeah. Really? You know what I mean? Like, we can right. say really, and it'll just be dead. Or that's what we do. You know what I mean? But it, it's, it's, it's like they need their own. And I'm sorry, you know what I mean? I would love to do an experiment, but do the Jim Crow laws. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I feel like if they were around, if they seen their own kind, and I'm not just talking about the people that happen to be um, of color that went to Penfold. I mean, like, my students gravitate to me because they see me walk down Genesee Street. I play basketball on Sio Street with them. They see me at Lewis Street when they have games. I, like, I'm involved, so it's easier for them to gravitate to me. So, I, I, yeah, they need that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh absolutely right, Shay. Uh I think we got a huge advantage being like black male teachers. Mm -hmm. Right? So we don't gotta and, and we from the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of stuff we don't we we got a lot of challenges we don't have to deal with when it comes to communicating right. with kids. I'm like, listen, 
I will. You know how it is. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But um, for if, if there are any uh, white people watching or non-urban people uh, listening right now, I think the best thing you can do is build a community, right? Because when they see separate communities, it's like home life and school life is already different. Mm-hmm. But now we got we, we're dealing with like you know black life versus non-black life or urban life versus non-urban life. So if if people were more like. I, Personally, uh, from what my colleagues and other colleagues that I work with, they don't really know what it's like to live in a city. So now you're, you're trying to hear, trying to help or save someone instead of trying to teach them, right? So if, if kids could, if we had like a better community, like even at my personal school, like there's, there's not a strong community. Like we're, as a staff, I don't think we're a strong community. If, if we had a stronger community and actually liked each other and, and understood each other and, and raised children, in that kind of environment, it'd be a lot easier to get to them because now you have community language. Like we have community language, but white people don't know it, <laughs> right? We can talk to kids. We know what kind of stuff they go through. We're not being, I feel like they're more likely to get like uh, into that savior mode, gotta save the, the urban kid or get manipulated because these kids are smarter than you think. Oh, for sure. Right? They'll they, come they don't in with like, a sad sob story and yeah. it'll like, get nah, you cut it. Time. You don't, we don't, I'm not, I feel like that's what, if we could build a better community, uh, just that everyone is a part of, it would, it would work, but I don't think there's an actual like, you know, fix to this blueprint or rubric. Yeah, yeah. It is, and, and to go off of what you said, not only do we already have that community, but it's also the point of um, it's like the constant reminder of like they need to know what's they need to see real. You know what I mean? Something yeah. that's realistic. So, um, prime example, I was expressing that I purposely teach, you know, in like shirts, slacks, tie Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday we have a college day so you wear something I usually wear you know my fraternity wear or I'll wear the college I went to and then Friday we have school spirit so we wear like a you know panther t-shirt but then for a long time I was self-conscious of my tattoos and how they was going to be perceived until realizing that students gravitated to it like oh well you tatted yeah and I'm also doing homework. <laughs> you know, right. It works both ways. So when they started seeing things that's more realistic. They found out you were a neighborhood scholar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like, oh, oh, you really do that. You yeah. know what I mean? So it, it helps them understand that there's hope. Right. Like, I'm just like you. Like, we're, we're not that different, right? Because a lot of times, especially kids, I mean, we can see how they, they treat different teachers in general. Uh-huh. But it's still, you got to remember, little kids, especially, you know, I'm an elementary school teacher. So little kids be thinking that I live in a school. Right, like they think that I'm like a professional teacher. Like they, when they found out I had a mom, (laughs) right? I'm like, yeah, I got a mom, a brother, a sister, and friends and stuff. Like they, they need to know that we're real people. So I think that's important, right? Again, that's why I I try to be as transparent as possible. Like, yes, this is this how I am. Yes, you can like it or not like it. This is me, but and I'm here to teach you. (laughs) I'm the same way. Like all the students know my story, so like they could relate to it and relate to me as a person. Um, what are some supports that you think teachers could use nowadays to help them be more su- successful in their classrooms? And that's a good question. Support from, I, I honestly believe it starts at the leadership. There are a lot of um, schools that are suffering because we don't have proper leadership roles. We have administrators that are in positions that are never that never were teachers. Okay, wait, let's because you know I'm in school for um, educational leadership and supervision, and I never technically was a teacher. Watch this. Though. So how does that? Watch this. Hold on, I'm not doing okay. Anything. How does that work? But, but you, <laughs> she went to school and she applied and got accepted and started doing work. But yo, <laughs> exactly. All I need, I needed to have three years of working with students. Now see, and wow. I had see what you just that. said. Now watch this. 
I know people that are administrators that were never that never were teachers but would try to assist you or try to educate you on how to build rapport with students when they have the poorest rapport. And then it's like, are you serious? Like, well, that's what I don't struggle with. And, 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 I mean, I, that's our thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and that's that's what makes all three of us strong because we have that rapport with students. Like, I was walking into school and I was singing the baby one day. And the student <laughs> said, how you know that? I said, the same way you know that. I listen to the song and I know the words. You know what I mean? But then another uh, but another staff member was like, um, you were singing? What was that song you were singing? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, is you trying to be down or is you trying to be nosy? Like, <laughs> so... <laughs> That's, that's one of the biggest things. And, and also, um, I feel like there need to be there needs to be diversity training led by students. Okay. Staff, that's, staff I, I like needs that. diversity training led by students because ultimately, you can't be sending these professionals and these doctors to tell you that this is how you're going to deal with people on a case-by-case basis. But if I have students in my environment and they're telling me, this is what I need from you, that works more than somebody coming from out the state that central office done hired and paid them thousands and thousands of dollars to lead a workshop to give us a half a day off when people like us are sitting in these meetings like this bores me because this is not going to work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this won't work this, with. This won't. Well, yeah, you know. This honestly, won't work with. I hate to be that person, but I sit there the whole time. The whole time they talk, I'm like, Jami ain't going to do that. You know what I mean? Like you just start going through your whole head. Shana, Stefan ain't going to do that. Insta- you know what I mean? Shayana not gonna take that. You know what I mean? And you just know it. But then it's funny because the teachers that do have relationships with those students ask them, what is it that you need? So there needs to be diversity training led by students that are, you know, is geared and powered by supportive um, faculty. You know what I mean? Because I, I don't like the um, I don't like the feeling of the strong black male that comes to save. No. You know what I mean? The daddy figure. Yeah. They had um, a person in our school who was like, he's not there anymore, but that's what he was there, like, to clean up the messes. He was like the daddy figure. And I don't like why they put us in the disciplinary role. Yeah. Yeah. Like, discipline the kids while we teach them. Exactly. I think um, a resource is to kind of put like an easy to do kind of thing out there. If, If teachers would actually just be involved in the community. I would say go to a, a, an event that your kids would probably be at or the parents would be at. Get to know the, the culture, like be familiar, right? Don't be so unfamiliar. So that, I think the kids are a huge resource, right? The kids and the community is a resource. Pull up. Right. Be there. I That's like, literally I like it. <laughs> Shoot, they, they, should, they should actually even get PD credit for doing like tutoring at rec centers. Oh yeah, that would be like You know what I mean? Have these teachers, because what's happening is that it's like, the teacher's like, is it 3.30 now? All right. You know what oh, I mean? And they're out of they, your life. They run. I can't say that. They but see, run. we I do, so listen, do I do it, but guess what? It's time to go. I'm guaranteed by 5.30, I'm at somebody's basketball game, somebody's softball game, or I'm at the, you know, I'm at the Y, and the same students that thought they left me at the Y, and all of a sudden, we, we playing basketball, and we lifting together. So yeah. it's like, I don't, I might be the first person out the door, but I guarantee you I'm like one of the last faces they see. Yeah. yeah. So what are your own experience with public education? What schools did you go to? I went to every elementary school in Rochester. <laughs> Seriously? I no, feel no, like no, it. No. I, uh, I went to a lot. I went to number nine school. Then I went to 22 school for the majority of it. And then I went to number six school. Okay. And then I went to Charlotte Middle School back when it was a middle school. And then I graduated from East High School. 
keeping my stories a little more complex. <laughs> so I went to 19 for two days. Okay. And then I went to <laughs> 44. I, well, okay. Yeah, for two days. I went 19 for two days. I went to 44 for kindergarten. Okay. Then from first to thir- um, first through fourth, I went to 34 school. Then I went to seventh school for, I mean, seventh school for fifth. I went to 16 for six. I started at McQuay and then transferred to Madison. And then I got accepted into Harley. And then I went to Harley for a little bit, and I couldn't afford the tuition, and I went to Marshall. Okay. So, as you can so see, every I just kept, like, flip-flopping. But the one thing that it made me, um, it made me very eclectic, the culture, because I, I seen the things I wanted to do, and I, I learned a lot that I'm good at. And also, um, going back to the previous question, my mentor, Thomas Knapp, God bless, um, he passed away last year. He was also that person that, like, made it cool to do things that my friends wasn't doing. Mm-hmm. Like, you would take me to the mountains and we wasn't allowed to use any technology, no TV, no nothing. But I learned how to, you know, start a powerboat. I learned how to play tennis. I learned how to play racquetball. And then I came back to the city and it was like, oh, y'all don't do that here? You know what I mean? <laughs> and I actually ended up being good in the city. I mean, being good at tennis, being good at volleyball. And it's like, those are things that it's like, had it not been for going to Harley, and going to McQuaid, because most of my teammates played for McQuaid. And then when I played for Marshall, that part about life was kind of sucks. You know what I mean? Because, like, my travel team all played for McQuaid and Harley. So they was like, oh, that's Shay. And they're like, how you know them? I'm like, let's not talk about it. We're right. just about to lose real bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> so have you guys been following, um, or did you follow the selection for the superintendent? Did you follow no. any of that? No. I, I kind of watched it for fun, but not really like followed it and stuff. I, I think it's uh, I I, I, probably, I really don't want to share my opinions, but for fun I will, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to. Let's, let's get spicy. No, no, no. no. I, I, I thought it was just kind of uh, kind of funny and stuff. We we've been through a few uh, superintendents. Not a, that's understatement. Yeah, we went through a lot. But you know, I, I and I don't know for sure and stuff, right? So it could be a rumor, it could be not be, but I heard they still on payroll. So they still got, they have like contracts. Yeah, so they, they still getting paid. I'm like, wow, I need to become That's a why our budget is so crazy. <laughs> Give me some bread. Now nah, I'm, I'm, I'm joking when I say that. But um, <laughs> for, for the record, edit that part out. <laughs> but um, no, no, I thought it was just kind of funny just to kind of watch it. I, I actually can't wait to see what happens next. Um, they selected you know, one. Well, His name was Terry Dade. Yeah, I saw. He, he's a, he's a well accomplished man. I seen a little blurb about him and stuff. Yeah, uh, people are supporting him. He's a black man, so I can't wait to see what he does. I can't wait to see these numbers if they move or not. Uh, how are they gonna you know show the data to see if we're actually growing as a district or not? But um, I think it's gonna be like really. I think it's gonna be really funny. And the reason I purposely didn't follow because. Um, again, it's like we keep getting these people that are not from out of town to come in here to try to tell us how Rochester. Why not? Get something new. Mix it up. That's booty. Listen, right now, if I come into your house and say, Harrison, none of this works, you need to move this over here, you're going to be like, who do you think you are? That's the first thing. That's when you pull out your resume and get back. Yeah, that's what Natalie, um, Natalie Shepard, she was on the last um, show, and she said... Um, his work that he's done. Yeah. Like, he's um, been in districts and he's improved them. So, that's why. He didn't improve the district. Well, it was a, you know. <laughs> students had to do the work. Exactly. I mean, he, <laughs> well, no right. one person can do it, but he's been a part of improvement plans of other districts and they were able to move the needle in a positive direction. We so. also had a honestly, yeah. I'm actually... 
I'm actually I'm actually expecting positive things. I think we're I think uh, we're at a a low already. And <laughs> so it's nowhere to go but up. Right. <laughs> I think this guy's going. I feel like everyone it has too much attention on it right now. Like everyone's looking, everyone's watching and stuff. Like it's I don't a lot of pressure. I don't want him to do bad, but I can't wait no. to see what he does. And as a teacher, I'm gonna do my best. I don't I don't I don't even think it's not even like I'm looking for something bad to happen. But I but honestly, I'm just at the point where it's like. I do my job. It's like, what you want me to do? And I do that. I perform that. Because I, no matter who you keep bringing in and out, our job still is not going to stop. Yeah. They're just going to try to keep telling us how to do our job differently. Yeah. We're going to keep doing the things that they say. But guess what? If the students don't do the work, we're still not going to get the results. So that part, it, it, it doesn't even, you know what I mean? Because I'm going to tell you what changed my mind about superintendents. This is a true story. I was on a plane with Jean-Claude Bizarre. Mm-hmm. You remember when he was superintendent? Yes, I remember. And I was... I How long was the superintendent? Two, three seconds? I don't even remember. I, I just remember being on the plane with him. And I was heading down to Florida. And he was heading down to Florida to catch a connection flight to, like, Morocco or something. And he was saying how, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm out about to go on vacation. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I took a sick day to leave for the weekend. Where are you going? You talking about you going out the country, you know what I mean? I feel yeah, like these people, his life, man. <laughs> like these people get this money and then they just like, you know what I mean? Like yeah, man. I use it as I use it as a title. A stepping stone. You know what I mean? And then once I get put here, on my resume and I bounce. I was a superintendent of schools in Rochester, New York. That's just something to have on and the All resume. of us have done research and you know it's so easy to skew numbers. Just like um oh, I'm not even going I say it true. We had a previous principal, not the, not the principal now, not the active principal. We had a previous principal at my school who skewed numbers by saying that he increased graduation rates by forcing students to graduate early and bringing plans and or intervention plans to have, you know, oh, this counts as this credit, this counts as this credit, and now look like you made these see of people graduate when really you forced certain students to graduate and manipulated them into thinking that they were prepared for college, and guess what? They weren't. You know what I mean? Oh. So it's like, we, we can do this so many different ways. You're sure. not going to pull the wool over mine. I just have one responsibility. <laughs> and my responsibility is to be real with that one student. That's you true. know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, so hold on, quick question. So I saw an article, or maybe it was like a news clip, where we saw that, um, what was it? Rochester Prep High School. They have, what, 100% graduation rate and 100% college acceptance rate. For this um, class that they're graduating, MCC accepts everybody. True. So <laughs> our charter, that's lit, that's a good our story. charter that's schools, good. the new wave. Yes and no. Okay. From my personal experience, I like the discipline and everything from charter school. My son goes to a charter school. However, what I will say is, like I said, numbers can be skewed. They have a hundred percent. They have a hundred percent accepted rate, right? But what if only fifty people apply for college? I, I get, I get what you said. Yeah. Like there's ways of there's ways of manipulating these numbers to make them sound good, and that doesn't mean that these students are greater than the students that are in the Rochester City School District. Because guess what? They're the same students. They just got accepted, and there was some room made, and the student got accepted into this private school, or this um they got accepted to the public private school. When almost honestly, like when you think about it, the education is so much different. It's just the discipline and curriculum. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I love the idea of charter schools. I think I love that. I like uncommon schools. I like uncommon schools too. I like I like that there's different options, right? Mm-hmm. So, but uh, they can also kick, kick 
students out too. Like That's the district okay, doesn't too. have that ability yeah, to kick like a student that. out. So if a student is a performer or if they're not, you know, adhering to their disciplinary procedures then they could kick them out and they have to go i think that's i, I don't think that's a bad thing i i think uh i'm saying that's why they work oh yeah and i think yeah. that's that's, 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 that's why the city school so, doesn't work in the city we got some kids that will tell you you know what i'm saying the three-letter acronym that i don't like and then they'll still be in your class invite you to their yeah, private you know hearts I mean? yeah yeah i mean it's all over the place and the next thing you know they're still sitting in your classroom you yeah. know listen man for what I see, there's there's serious students and then there's unserious students. And a lot of times, in my personal experience, you spend so much time giving attention to the non-serious students mm-hmm. that you don't get a chance to appreciate the serious students. So they're like being cheated of an education. So charter schools, I mean, I, everyone's entitled to an education. Everyone's entitled to an education. But at least you have the option to put your school, your kid in a, a community of strong learners. Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I wouldn't mind. I would, I would know what I know about education. I wouldn't mind paying for it Like at the elementary school level. I would put my kid, my preschool kid, at like, uh, I don't know, just, uh, in a community of strong learners. Did you guys hear about all the proposed cuts that they're um, hoping to do next year? Cuts to teachers, administrators, special education programs. Yes, and it's going to fail. Yeah, we, I agree. We actually think it's <laughs> yeah. going to fail drastically. We just had a conversation, and think about it like this. They're trying to cut some of the special ed teachers, and they're trying to make the classes inclusive, right? Mm-hmm. But if you put 15 in, in a regular classroom setting, right, it's about 20 to 30 students in the district. We don't want it to be 30, but that's that's kind of where we at. Right. And then you're talking about the fact that we have special classrooms that are 15-1, that are 12-1-1, that are 8-1-2s. They're trying to make these classrooms inclusive, right? That's going to take away from the learner from the students that are that, are, that don't need the distraction. The ones that, that got it. And now you're trying to put a special ed teacher and a regular ed teacher in this classroom and make it exclusive with 15 people who have different disabilities and 15 people who are, may not have a diagnosed disability but were well off. And now it's going to make sure it's just, it's just like putting, you know, uh, <laughs> it's like putting that one um, rotten orange in a basket full of oranges that are ripe. Unfortunately, it's going to make the other ones start to mold out. Yeah. And not only that, so you have that issue in addition to students are all at different levels. You mm-hmm. know we're passing students along no matter what up until right. they get to high school. So you have a classroom where students right. are all different levels. Then they have disabilities. So I just don't foresee that going well at all. I, I, don't, I, don't, I think that's counterproductive, right? If you think taking away money from the, the something that we actually like care about, we say we care about education. You, if you think taking it and giving money is the answer or disciplinary, that's the saddest mistake ever. Teachers are already, and speaking for myself and, and other teachers I know, I think yeah we are underpaid and underappreciated. There's way too much to do sometimes, right? For not for every teacher, but there's too much to do. If anything, maybe go inside the schools and make them more efficient, like per school. But don't say we're gonna take this money away, like looking at some you know magic number because it's it's more than just a, a an equation or a math problem. It's more of an art. Like you gotta go in there and find what works. Because look at the data, you know. Look, you know. We can't look at the data all the time. Go in there and see with your eyes, right? You like, gotta be in the classroom. Yeah. Well, that's... I think it should be the principal's discretion, right? Maybe the principal should fight more for the uh, actual budget because if you think just taking... I mean, even though they say it all the time because there's a teacher shortage. Who's one, Who wants to go into a stressful career like teaching? 
But they say it's with, a teacher shortage, but I don't understand. Right, so I don't even understand that. No one knows what's going on. It's crazy. They're like, lying. It's just a whole bunch of Everybody's like, liars. That's a, what it is. It's just a good story. I've, every year there's a teacher shortage. Every what? year when I was substituted, I get a call like every August saying they were looking for positions and stuff. Like, come on. You want to know what's funny? It'll be a teacher shortage, right? But then we'll have a shortage of staff that can substitute for teachers who ain't there. Right. I remember when <laughs> yeah, I was subbing, RGA. like a legit, I would get a call every day. Like when I was subbing, I would get yeah. a call every day. I know, I know, like, I look, we have a dry erase board that has every teacher that's out, and then they're like, who's replacing the person so that everybody knows. And there's so many times that you'll see the teacher out and then vacant. No. Or, you know what I mean? Or it's just a blank spot. Or now, the new thing that they have doing, they're high, they're um, paying TAs. I hate to admit this. They're paying TAs $5 extra for one class period to perform, to perform as a teacher in the event that a teacher is pulled out and they don't have a substitute to cover. That's well, it. at least they're compensating them. No, 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 no. Focus. Because a teacher, <laughs> a substitute teacher gets paid nearly $240 a day. Well, a that's day. when they they have to work a certain. Yeah, they do. When, they went up two forty. Yeah, yes. when you but you have to work up to that. That's just you don't start with that. Okay, you start at you start at what two twenty something. One twenty. No, no, no. Sorry, substitute sorry, teachers, no. no substitute teachers, not TAs, not teachers. No substitute teachers started when I first started. Yes. Substitute teachers, it was only well, I started back in two thousand sixteen, but it was. It was like one one sixteen. Yeah, it's one twenty when you first started. Yeah, it was one. You work your like way that. up to that. So yeah. um, you have to work a certain amount of days. So yeah. watch this. It still so, doesn't equal. I know. It still saying. watch this. I want to say yeah, even when you in the classroom, right? The the assistants in the classroom majority of the time does more work than the teacher. Not not to throw them under the bus, but I'm saying because culturally. There are more. There are more people that are of um, African American descent who are teaching African kids, who are teaching these students who know how to get through to them. Right. And when the teachers getting frustrated, they only want to concentrate on the students. Well, I'm just going to concentrate. I need to. Can you help out such and such? And now it's like, okay, you got them. And you got them in the classroom to discipline, or you got them in the classroom to assist. It's but <laughs> I don't. It's just it's just but. You know? So. Yo, uh, remember Teachers Appreciation Week? Yeah. Did you? What, what did they do for you? Did you? Did you? Last year, I mean, one year we had Chipotle. Douglas is different. Um, I can say. I'm talking about just the community in general. Usually the community. Oh yeah, oh, yeah they had to buy one, get one from Chipotle. They did. Did we miss it? I, I, they must have. I, I ain't hear about just. I know usually that's email go. I about to yeah. say. I remember we had that buy one, get one. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, in our school, our school does show a lot of support. I, I feel like. That's one thing I can't say about Douglas. When it comes to a community, like they hold each other down. They actually did a, um, they actually did a dinner appreciation for all the teachers. You know, even the ones that don't eat meat. You know, they made baked ziti, they made salad. Yeah. And, you know, oh yeah, yeah, I wasn't so they, there that day, but they, 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 they took my order. <laughs> Speaking of not being there, you just reminded me of something. Remember we were talking about you know they need to provide certain resources for the students. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know how we don't ever have heat. Oh, uh, <laughs> yo, listen. So something well, they were happened. Modeling. No, 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 no. This is gonna really mess you up. Something happened where our genie had to work in the community, so they cut off all the electricity. And when they re um, turned it back on, it messed up everything. Yeah. So the school was hot. So now you got students walking around the school saying, "Oh, all this time y'all had heat, y'all just didn't cut it on." Wow, that's messed up. It's mad hot. Yo, the school was sweltering. I came in a hood. It was raining and everything that day. 
I came in a hoodie. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I know it's gonna be a little cold. Yo, it was blistering. We had the windows open even in the rain. So now, y'all basically what y'all do is y'all freezing our kids to death. <laughs> yeah, it's always it's always something. It always is yeah. something. You gotta roll with the punches with education, boy. I definitely didn't say 100.9 WXIR three times during the show. <laughs> Sorry, Rashida. Um,